0: Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture, coming to you today again from our nation's capital here with the National Association of Farm Broadcasting Washington Watch event. Our pleasure to be talking with Tom Slate, president and CEO of the U.S. Grains Council. Tom, last time we had you on, you talked about how you could already see the impact of of the uh the back and forth between the U.S. and China, uh, while some are saying it's not a trade war, you know, we're just in that negotiating stage, real on-the-ground impact is being felt.
0: Yeah, Mike, particularly on sorghum, they're kind of almost the canary in the coal mine on this one with 179% tariff placed on their products here about a week ago. That has sent ripples through the sorghum market, and certainly uh, we've been tracking that really closely both here in Washington and in China. All right, so what is the latest um, is there any movement on that at all any, anything that can be done to uh, deal with this? Well a lot you know yes and no, Mike. I mean we think there's about 17 or 18 vessels on the water that did not unload before the, uh, when the tariff went into place on April 18th. So we're hearing lots of stories about how those may be redirected and of course the council staff around the world we did what we did with DDGs double and redouble our efforts everywhere else to market that grain. So we're seeing some pickup in places like Saudi Arabia, Morocco, Spain, a little bit into Mexico, uh, perhaps some into Korea, but there's still some boats that we're not really sure what's going to happen to them. That's something we're tracking on a daily basis. Through all this, is there a way to get US grain into a country like China that's putting up tariffs or roadblocks, just go through another country to get it there? Well, that's how, sort of happened. I mean, we think one uh, cargo may have gone in there through uh, Southeast Asia, maybe perhaps Vietnam. And so that does happen. And there's lots of talk about, you know, grain coming from the U.S. someplace else and then going into China. Uh, that's happening. But also, you know, the other thing that's happening, too, is our competitors are coming to that market strongly, like Argentina, Australia. We had some good news from Japan that they're going to take U.S. ethanol. Yeah, that's really good news. I mean, we've been working on that since really 2014, 2015. The the, the door is now open for U.S. to go in there. But I guess like like a free trade agreement, you know, the hard work now comes in making those sales. We've got the opening. Now we have to make those sales. That's a good point. The news headline is they
1: open the door. Yeah. The, THE SECOND PART OF THAT, WHEN YOU READ DOWN FURTHER, IS WE HAVE TO GO IN THAT DOOR AND MAKE THE SALE. YEAH,
0: WE HAVE TO PROVE our, OURSELVES, MAKE THE con- TRADE CONTEXT, WHICH WE ARE DOING RIGHT NOW. Uh, THERE'S AN AG TRADE MISSION GOING IN THERE LATER ON, uh, I THINK IN JUNE, uh, USDA LED AG TRADE MISSION THAT IS GOING TO FOCUS ON THIS. YEAH, IT'S GOING IN AND DOING HARD WORK, MAKING INTRODUCTIONS. We're ready to go. The door is open. Let's let's go through it now. OK, on TPP,
1: we thought a door was opening. The president kind of sounded optimistic about getting it back into TPP. And then he's kind of closed that door again. Where do, where do you see that standing right now?
0: Well, there seems to be a lot of focus over the weekend on a free trade agreement with Japan. YOU KNOW, THERE'S A LOT OF THINGS GOING ON POLITICALLY, OBVIOUSLY, IN THE UNITED STATES. WE KNOW THAT. THERE'S A LOT OF THINGS GOING ON POLITICALLY IN JAPAN, TOO, THAT FARMERS NEED TO PAY CLOSE ATTENTION TO, BECAUSE THAT'S GOING TO DECIDE HOW QUICKLY A FREE TRADE AGREEMENT GOES OR NOT IN TERMS of, with THE UNITED STATES AND JAPAN. IT'S COMPLICATED. Japan has said many, many times they want the U.S. to join TPP, not a singular, you know, bilateral trade agreement. Watch it closely because the political pressure in both countries. Because
1: the president would rather have a bilateral with Japan rather than be part of TPP. It sounds like.
0: Yeah, it's you know a lot more you know back in, you know a lot more simple direct, uh, not as complicated. Multilateral trade agreements get very complicated as we saw during the TPP discussions. But yeah, um, he wants a bilateral. Uh, Maybe it's a little bit of softening on that language from Japan now. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, they were saying, no, if the U.S. wants to come in, come in via TPP. We're talking with Tom Slate, president and CEO of the U.S. Grains Council. Now, it sounds like maybe we're getting close to a NAFTA deal. What are you hearing? Yeah, we're hearing the same thing. There's, a, you know, very much the, the congressional calendar, you have to start looking at that very closely. When Once May 1st rolls around, then you start counting days. And so, yes, we are hearing the parties are close, an uh, agreement by May 4th, you know, we've been hearing that a lot. Um, you know, so we're, we're hopeful. And uh, you know, what happens in early May is going to be watch that very, very closely. Of course, getting a deal and getting a deal passed in Congress, two
1: different things.
0: Yeah, I think that's why they want to get this negotiating done by early May, because they need to have Congress take their actions, as you know, and then, you know, get it ratified during this, this, uh, this Congress. Give us an update, what have we seen sales-wise to Mexico and
1: Canada during this negotiating process?
0: You know, actually, you know, for Mexico, we've really improved. I mean, uh, we started to see some erosion in January and February picking up from S- South uh, America. Uh, March, we turned it around. We couldn't shut South America out with the addition of sorghum going in there now, because sorghum, you know, the, the rumors of the anti-dumping thing are out in the marketplace, have been there for a couple months, so sorghum, you know, now... Priced in there very competitively, and so in March uh, we we kind of shut out our South American competition, which is good. Still strong sales uh, to Mexico. That's real good. Let's talk Farm
1: Bill, because you've been watching closely, funding for programs like MAP, those marketing programs. What did you see in the bill that came out of committee last week?
0: The most important thing for the U.S. Grains Council is that there's the Market Development Program, FMD, and the Market Access Program, MAP. Uh, The two programs were combined into one title, International Market Development, which is really good news for us, because the FMD stuff... That creates our fixed expenses like staff and rent. And I've always said, you know, the world belongs to those who show up. And having a presence, particularly with all these issues we have going on around the world, you need that market presence 365. So protecting those through the process will be key. Exactly. Protecting them through the process, making sure there seems to be good support for the programs. So we hope the farm bill uh, you know, negotiations go on smoothly. I know there's a lot of other contentious issues, but for foreign market development, a lot of folks seem to think we need that international trade work done through the MAP and the FMD programs. Thanks, Tom. Mike, always a pleasure.
2: That's Tom Slate, president and CEO of the U.S. Grains Councils. I talked with him here in Washington, D.C., and get a lot of the trade focus, of course, is uh, between the U.S. and China right now. We did have uh, the opportunity last night to hear from the new chief ag negotiator for the U.S. Trade Representative's Office, Ambassador Greg Dowd. Greg, of course, formerly with NCBA, newly appointed to this position, and he did a good job of laying out the administration's case uh, with China, Because, obviously, in the agricultural world, uh, the focus is on concern about retaliation. And uh, Greg Dowd, Ambassador Dowd, did a great job of explaining um, the problems with China. He he made it clear that he is talking with his boss, uh, Robert Lighthizer, the U.S. trade representative, to stress that there's no good time to to step in and address this issue for agriculture. But the, the trade issues with China are very real. Uh, When you get into areas like intellectual property and, of course, the steel and aluminum, those issues. Uh, But he pointed out, Greg Dow pointed out and says he continually brings this topic up in their trade discussions that agriculture is at the tip of the spear. And uh, so he is pointing out if we're going to feel the retaliation first and we need to get our being agriculture, our issues resolved first but he really uh, laid out why there's uh, this problem between the US and China we talked about the US WTO complaint uh, against China and says we need some changes in behavior from China and uh, they feel of course the administration feels this is the best approach to get that done but uh, again the concern in agriculture is the retaliation we're going to talk more about that some comments uh, uh, from Secretary Purdue that we're hearing here today in Washington DC and others in fact we're broadcasting today from uh, USDA and we've already heard from Secretary Purdue. later we'll be hearing from uh, EPA Administrator Scott Pruitt coming up next though you're going to hear from Chris Galen with the National Milk Producers Federation as we continue on on AOA, Adams on Agriculture, from Washington, D.C. In
3: 1847, Hanson Crockett Gregory invented the donut. Genius. In 1908, Melita Bence invented the paper coffee filter. Genius. In 1928, Otto Frederick Rowetter invented sliced bread. Genius. In
4: 1930, Ruth Wakefield invented the chocolate chip cookie.
3: Mmm, genius.
4: There's genius, and then there's pure genius. At BASF, that's what drove us to develop Ingenia herbicide, our most advanced dicamba formulation ever for dicamba-tolerant cotton and soybeans. It gives you a low-volatility solution at the lowest dicamba use rate ever offered, providing an additional side of action to outsmart the toughest weeds, even the glyphosate-resistant ones. Grow smart with Angenia Herbicide from BASF, a flexible solution that's pure genius. Talk to your representative today. Learn more at AngeniaHerbicide.com. BASF, we create chemistry. Angenia Herbicide is a U.S. EPA-restricted-use pesticide. Always read and follow label directions.
1: We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago.
0: Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Welcome back to
1: Adams on Agriculture from Washington, D.C. Joining us now, Chris Galen, Senior Vice President, Communications for the National Milk Producers Federation. All right, Chris, getting reaction to the farm bill that came out of the House Act Committee last week. From a dairy perspective, what would you like about it?
10: Well, what it does is it expands the range of coverage available to farmers, which we think is a good idea. It also is going to allow larger farms that, under the current law, probably aren't going to benefit from the improvements in the MPP it will allow them to insure a smaller production of their of their history below 25% so that will allow them to take advantage of the much lower rates on the what we call the tier one of premiums where you have a much better chance of a payout if you're a larger farm if you don't have to insure at least 25%. So those are important changes. My guess is the Senate Ag Committee's farm bill will have some of that and maybe some other things as well so at this point what we're really talking about is broad outlines Mike of what we're supporting Uh, the key thing here is that none of this happens if the Farm Bill doesn't move forward so we we really would like to see it dealt with in 2018
1: do you have any idea can you track how sign up is going for MPP right now
10: we have no ability to track sign up that's up to USDA and my guess is even here in Washington they don't know that it's done at the county level so our key focus has been we know farmers often have had a bad taste in their mouth from the experience the last three years with the MPP they really need to give it another look and there's a there's a much better opportunity that if they sign up at the higher coverage levels they will get a payout here this spring and this summer and even if they look at it and it doesn't work out at least they can see what the benefits might be if conditions were different so i mean that's the that's the irony this year which is the, even though we're dealing with low milk prices and poor margins um, this is the best chance for the program the mpp program to pay out in the last four years all
1: hinging now on the nutrition title of the farm bill and well dairy's a big part of that no doubt so so how do you see this playing out i mean Obviously, the Senate's going to take a whole different approach to it, so it's, this thing's got a long ways to go.
10: It has a long way to go, and as everyone has said, there's not likely to be a lot of things that move in the House or the Senate, and it's already just the end of April, and we've got eight more months in the year, uh, but we're, our, our hopes are not high overall. Our hopes are significantly higher, though, for the Farm Bill. It's not something that should be partisan. Obviously, the bill that passed in the House Ag Committee was done on a party-line vote, so. I think it's incumbent on those of us in agriculture to keep telling our elected officials that we would like to see this issue dealt with and that there is a disagreement right now over funding and regulations for the SNAP program and that hopefully the better angels of everyone's nature will come into play here this spring and summer and allow us to get a farm bill done. We're talking with Chris Galen, Senior Vice President of Communications for the National Milk Producers Federation.
1: A couple of hot issues, let's take one for the dairy industry first. Labeling of products, imitation dairy products, if you will, other products, plant based products using milk in their name or dairy in their name. You've been fighting this for some time. How far are you as as far as getting something done, either enforcement of existing law or new law?
10: Well, we have made a lot of progress within the industry in galvanizing support for the position that milk is an animal product. The law defines it as the lactation of a healthy dairy cow. And unfortunately, we've seen this huge proliferation, Mike, of all these imitation products over the last three, four, five years. It's growing. It's growing. And, of course, it's not just dairy. Uh, The folks in the cattle industry are very concerned about fake meat uh, and not just plant-based meat imitators, but even what's called now the cell-cultured product out of a laboratory. FDA is not doing its job. Later this week, on Thursday, we have a meeting with senior officials at FDA. We're bringing in some of our board members as well as NMPF staff to drive home the fact that unless FDA takes action, the problem is going to continue to get worse, and we're going to continue to see more egregious violations of the standards of identity. And this is why we have regulations. And the good news is that there's additional research out there now that consumers are confused not about necessarily what's in the product, whether it's made from soy or almond versus real milk, but that when you tag a product with milk, almond milk, soy milk, rice milk, that conveys a nutritional halo, which is why these companies do it. And if it were to be called almond drink or almond beverage, all of a sudden it wouldn't be as valuable. Well, you know what? That's the way these products are labeled in almost every other country around the world. And that's the way it should be labeled. That's the way they should be labeled here.
1: So they're cashing in on the value of the name milk.
10: The old saying, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. We have a number of examples of popular plant-based products that are sold in this country that are called milk, but they're sold in Europe or England or even in Canada and they're called drink or beverage. And that's because... Those countries enforce the labeling laws. The U.S. has the same labeling laws as Canada, the U.K., and the EU. The difference is our government doesn't enforce them, and that's what we need to see changed. All right, another issue that's critical to the
1: nation in general, the dairy industry in particular, that's the immigration issue. Do you see any signs of progress on this from an agricultural standpoint?
10: Every time we think we see some light at the end of the tunnel, it turns out to be an oncoming train, Mike. Uh, We thought this winter we had an opportunity with the need to address DACA, that we could roll some other aspects of immigration reform in there. Uh, That now has, the wheels have come off that wagon and it's nowhere. We continue to drive home the point on Capitol Hill and with the Trump administration that dairy, unlike many other forms of agriculture, does not even have access to the H-2A seasonal worker program, that at least if you're in the fruit and vegetable industry, which is also heavily reliant on immigrant workers, they can use H-2A. But that only applies to seasonal temporary work, not to the year-round labor needs of dairy. That needs to change, and and, bottom line is we have a mismatch between the demands for work on our farms, and the amount of workers available and willing to do the job, that's not going to go away. In fact, it's getting worse because the unemployment rate is so low. So that's just a point we continue to make with Congress and the White House, and and hopefully something will happen.
1: One other topic, where are we in the battle with the European Union on the names of cheese?
10: Well, what you're referring to are common food names or geographic indications. Europe has been very aggressive on it. Uh, The latest is Europe just cut a trade deal with Mexico. And the, the issue there is that Mexico is allowing only certain cheeses to be sold in their country that use names like Gorgonzola or Feta. So that means going forward, assuming this deal gets passed, that U.S. makers of cheeses with those names cannot sell them in Mexico if they use those same names. They have to be from Europe. That's the, what we're talking about. It's happening around the world in South Korea, in Mexico, and other countries as well, and that's been a huge frustration for us, and that's why it's one of those things that when you explain it to farmers, they wonder how it impacts them, but if you you lose market share for your cheeses in Mexico, which is one of our largest dairy customers, it could have really bad long-term effects, and that's why we've been very aggressive on this issue.
1: One other issue, we hear we may be near a NAFTA deal, but I don't hear anything about resolution to the dairy conflict?
10: Well, from our standpoint, there can be no NAFTA deal unless the dairy trade policy issues with Canada are resolved. Uh, The good news is that we have driven home that point repeatedly with members of Congress, with the Trump White House, with Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer. Uh, We've got a letter that's circulating right now on Capitol Hill from members of Congress to uh, Ambassador Lighthizer saying that this issue must be resolved. Uh, And the good news is that President Trump himself has talked about this issue repeatedly a year ago ago this time. He was in Wisconsin and, and talked about it and tweeted about it. So we're hopeful that this is not going to be one of those things that sort of gets swept under the rug in the rush to get a deal done. Thanks, Chris. You're welcome, Mike.
2: Chris Galen, Senior Vice President, Communications for the National Milk Producers Federation. So we keep hearing that we're getting closer to a NAFTA deal, but not hearing any particulars, especially when it comes to any resolution to the dairy issue. By the way, again, broadcasting today here at USDA, and we heard earlier from Secretary of Agriculture Sonny Perdue, who, by the way, is... Uh, celebrating his one-year anniversary on the job. Well, wow, it doesn't seem possible. It seemed like it took forever for him to be confirmed. Now a year has gone by already. Uh, he he was asked about uh, farmer assistance. Uh, there's a lot of talk from the administration uh, how to uh, repay farmers for any losses in a, in a trade war, say with China. Uh, he would not give any uh, details on that, other than to say he understands that farmers want trade, not aid uh but they are working on different ways that they could uh, uh, reimburse farmers uh, in case of uh, losses to uh, a trade dispute he says that china has not yet played by wto rules so they need to be held to those rules also on the farm bill secretary purdue says he believes the farm bill will be passed uh, in the house uh, but he's disappointed with the party line vote coming out of the ag committee and he hopes that Democrats are not stalling, waiting for election results to see if they will uh, gain control of the House and be able to write their own uh, farm bill. And uh, he also said uh, concerning the RFS that the president is close to authorizing the E-15 waiver to allow E-15 sales year-round. He said another meeting on that is coming up soon. All right, coming up next here on Adams on Agriculture, we'll talk with Colin Woodall with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association as we continue our broadcast from our nation's capital. Stay with us on AOA, Adams on Agriculture.
6: Fastline.com is changing the equipment buying game. FastLine has just released its newest feature, the Price Comparison Tool. The Price Comparison Tool is the first of its kind in the ag equipment market. It's designed to help quickly compare equipment by price, make, and model. Using the price comparison tool, you can see if an item is below, above, or right at average price for similar equipment. Use this game changer right now at FastLine.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, Immigration Reform, Reducing Regulations, Trade, New Technology, as well as Infrastructure and Health Care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. We're proud of our new affiliates. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network.
9: With a market check, this is the American Ag Network on Adams on Agriculture. The markets today are fairly mixed, uh, based mainly on planting as planting gets going in full force around the country. Also some rain falling in western Kansas and more expected in the region on Tuesday. Traders are keenly aware that a lot of planting progress can happen in a good week. Today's weather map has rain from Indiana to the mid-Atlantic states and some in the western plains. But the seven-day forecast is mostly dry east of Ohio, favorable for planting as temperatures warm. In Brazil, the second corn crop has been in good shape until recently, but conditions have turned dry, and the seven-day forecast is also mostly dry. Fundamentally, the outlook for corn prices remains neutral with the uncertainty of a new growing season ahead. And that's exactly what the corn market has been so far this morning, neutral. July corn is up a quarter at 387 and three quarters. September corn is unchanged from yesterday at 395. It's been a volatile morning in the soybean market. The market went down one to two, surged to up one to two, and now is trending down again. July soybeans are down one and a half at 1030 and three quarters. Chicago wheat for July is down four and a quarter at 470 and a half. Kansas City wheat for July is down 4 at 4.99 and a quarter. Minneapolis wheat for July is down 1 and 3 quarters. The cattle to higher this morning, it's another slow day in the cash cattle market and hog buyers are expected to resume procurement today. As we take a look at the prices, June live cattle up a dollar 50 at 106.40, May feeder cattle up a dollar 22 at 141.82. June lean hogs are down 17 at 76.20. All of the outside markets are higher. For Adams on Agriculture, this is the American Ag Network.
8: Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub, they require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon including free delivery, free chemicals and a cash discount.
0: Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams.
1: And welcome back to Adams on Agriculture from Washington, D.C., joined now by Colin Whittle, Senior Vice President, Government Affairs for the National Cattleman's Beef Association. All right, Colin, everybody's. uh Weighing in on the farm bill, I know one of the things you were really focused on, and that was funding for a vaccine bank. Was it there?
7: It was there. In fact, the House Agriculture Committee gave us the full $150 million for the first year, and that was a really important thing for us to be able to get this established and on the books. So we're very excited that both sides made the decision to support us, even though there was a lot of division on other portions of the farm bill bipartisan support for the fmd vaccine bank what are you hearing on the senate side when they put together their farm bill again we know that we have support but the question on the senate side is will they give us the same level of funding that the house did and right now that is very they're dealing from a a whole different set of cards on the senate side so we'll just have to kind of wait and see how this plays out
1: how nervous are you to watch a bill come out of committee that was voted out strictly on party lines knowing that there's a huge divide over the nutrition title and seeing that now go to the House floor. How nervous are you about losing the whole bill over that issue?
7: You know, I'm I'm more disappointed than I am nervous on. Historically, in the past, it's been a bipartisan effort. And the fact that we don't have that, Yeah, I guess it leads towards a little bit of anxiety going to the floor. Uh, We know that there is a possibility that they could once again pass it on the floor uh, just with a party line vote if enough of the Freedom Caucus comes along. But the one thing that we do know, just given everything we've seen in this current Congress, is if that happens... It's not going to fly on the Senate side. On the Senate side, you have to have some Democrats to come along and support it. So then that raises the question about how quickly we can actually get a farm bill done.
1: And doesn't this show again how important it is for ag to have uh, coalitions built with non-ag groups over issues like this?
7: Uh, It does. Indeed it does. Because the one thing that we in agriculture don't like is uncertainty markets don't like uncertainty and if we have an extension of this current bill all we're going to have is uncertainty so yes to your point we need to do everything that we can and if we haven't uh, if we haven't worked hard enough yet we need really this bill can get done before September 30th.
1: Anything else in the bill that you really like or don't like or would like to see changed?
7: We were very happy with the changes in the conservation programs, especially the combination of CSP with Equip. Equip is a very popular program among cattle producers, so to be able to see it expanded is really good. So we're excited about that. And also there was a lot of work done on conservation easements to make sure that those programs can stay in place. Again, something that is used by a lot of our producers. So overall, the bill, I think,
1: is good for cattle producers. We're talking with Colin Woodall, Senior Vice President, Government Affairs for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. All right, let's look at some trade issues. We hear we may be getting close to NAFTA. We don't know what that will be, but I can. I think we're safe to assume it'll be tough to get whatever they come up with through Congress.
7: Uh, it is a, a concern. You know, we've been hearing now for a couple of weeks that we're getting close. We haven't seen anything yet. And to be honest with you, Mike, time, time is running out. Uh, As we get closer and closer to July and the Mexican presidential election, that truly is the deadline that we're trying to beat, because it's before it gets done. So uh, we have to try to push these negotiators to get it done, and then you bring up the next great question is how quickly or if we can get it through Congress, because they're going to have to make a final decision on whether or not this flies.
1: And then we thought the president was leaning back towards TPP, and then he kind of pulls back from that. Not sure where we're at on
7: that. Uh, it's been a bit of a yo-yo. We got really excited there when he was in the Rose Garden making comments about getting back into TPP, but then very quickly he made the uh, the, the the call that maybe it wasn't as good a deal as he uh, as he expected. You know, we knew that when he pulled out, it was going to be awfully hard for us to get back in, and as of right now, we are not counting on the United States getting back into TPP anytime soon.
1: When we look at the Chinese situation, the back and forth, whether that's a trade war or just a war of words at this point, we know there are there are real implications being felt in some sectors. From a beef standpoint, how do you how do you view what's going on and concerned about where it's going?
7: Yeah, you know, we're we're always concerned about the potential of tariffs. We along with everybody else in agriculture, given just how important exports are to all of our bottom lines. And that's even more so here this year when you look at commodity prices. And in the case of the cattle industry, when you look at the expansion of our national herd, we need to move product, and we have to have international markets to make that happen. We do hold out some hope, though, that when you look at the comment period we're going through and the hearing that the International Trade um, uh, Committee will have on on, uh, May 15th, that there could be an opportunity for some negotiations to happen behind the scenes to prevent this from ever happening. That is the best-case scenario. If we are not able to make that happen, then there may be some short-term pain here for all of us when it comes to access into China you got good news on the Korean trade deal well we thought we did now they have said it's done but the president is saying that he's gonna sit on it here a little bit until he has some further discussions with North and South Korea so from what we understand the agreement stays as it was which is good for us but we want to make sure that it's done and as long as it's still hanging out there even if the negotiations are completed we're gonna say that it's still not a done deal never done till it's done right in Washington DC it is never done till it's done and all signatures are on the paper.
1: What do you, what's your take on the Brazilian acquisition of National Beef Pack? Uh,
7: you know, that is something that has uh, raised a lot of eyebrows across the industry. Uh, NCBA does not have an official position right now. Uh, what we have said in the past is that we have to have packing capacity, and so anybody who's willing to come in and, and uh, own a uh, packing house in, in uh, the United States, you know, we're going to We're going to welcome them, but also at the same time, we know that several members of the House and Senate have raised some questions about whether or not that is a a deal that should go through. And so we have encouraged uh, members of Congress that if they felt that that was a letter
1: they needed to sign, to go ahead and sign it. And you've got some producers that are being terribly impacted by the fires out in western Oklahoma. What we're trying to do is just
7: raise the uh, overall understanding of the fact that these fires are going on. Uh, We have heard anywhere from um, uh, you know, just a couple of hundred ahead on local local uh, operations to, in some cases, up to 30,000 in Oklahoma that have been lost, uh, burning hundreds of thousands of acres. What we're trying to do right now is get the president's attention on this so we hopefully he can go down and take a look at it. If nothing else, try to make sure that they can get some federal help as quickly as possible.
1: Getting federal help quickly, those two things don't always go together.
7: No, that, that's right, but as long as we can just get some... Uh, overall understanding of the problem, maybe that could help us expedite this effort by USDA to provide a little bit of help.
1: We do see people react quickly that want to help, want to give. We know that a lot of that support is pouring in.
7: Uh, It is, absolutely. And one of the best places that you can go is the Oklahoma Cattlemen's Association. I go to their website online and they have a lot of information about how you can help donate.
1: All right, Colin, so as we look ahead now, farm bill obviously is key. These trade issues are key. What else is on your horizon, on your radar that you're watching from a beef industry standpoint?
7: We're spending a lot of time right now, Mike, on this issue of fake meat. Uh, it is a problem, especially when you look at the cell culture to the lab cultured product. Because as of right now, nobody is taking the jurisdiction to regulate it. And we've made it very clear that if these people want to be in the meat business, then they need to be regulated like all of us in the meat business. That means that they need to be regulated by the Food Safety Inspection Service. So that is our push right now to make sure that FSIS enforces that regulation, asserts that regulation, and more importantly, make sure that they are restricted on what they can call it. You know, they can't call it beef. They shouldn't be able to call it beef. And we want to make sure that that's very clear.
1: This is somewhat familiar to the dairy industry's concerns about the use of the name milk by some of the plant-based products.
7: Uh, It is, and we are hoping that we are getting in on this early enough to be able to prevent this from happening. I know that in comments that we have made and the fact that we made this one of our 2018 policy priorities, we've drawn a lot of attention to this issue, and we hope that that will help just build the momentum to make sure that ultimately this product has to label itself as an imitation product.
1: You know what? We've spent a lot of debate, a lot of time debating the last couple of years how to better educate and inform the consumer about what they're eating, but yet a lot of these issues come up that would seem to create more consumer confusion.
7: another part of that is when you look at all the rocks that get thrown at agriculture for our use of technology we have this group coming in and thinking that they're going to be able to use technology and bring a whole new set of consumers in the the, the whole thing has been very uh, head scratching to us but that's why we have decided that if it is going to move forward which we're fine with technology if there is somebody out there who wants to buy this product we're not going to stand in the way we just want to make sure it's regulated and it's called what it is and it's not beef Thanks Colin. Thank you Mike.
2: It's Colin Whitall, Senior Vice President Government Affairs for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. We have heard here at USDA today that they're still looking into this issue whether it's the fake meat issue or plant-based products using the the name of dairy or milk uh, they're still sorting that out here at USDA and trying to figure out their approach to it and who has jurisdiction and a lot of those issues so it's being looked at but does not sound like they're anywhere close to resolution on this anytime soon. On the trade issue, I mentioned that last night we heard from Ambassador Greg Dowd, the new chief ag negotiator at USTR. He said that the administration has strong interest in getting a bilateral deal with Japan, and that's a big part of their focus, but also looking into possible trade deals in Southeast Asia, Africa, and if brexit continues along uh and gets finalized uh, the uk as uh potential markets where this administration would like to uh, sign a bilateral deal work out a bilateral deal now i mentioned uh, that the secretary of agriculture sonny purdue was here with us uh, the far farm broadcaster group uh, earlier today then he went to uh, capitol hill he's talking uh To Members of Congress testifying before a panel there, and he's hearing a lot about trade. Senator Pat Roberts, chairman of the Senate Ag Committee, telling Secretary Perdue today that uh, the Trump trade statements have market impacts that hurt farmers and that ag is being used as a pawn in disputes with China. And uh, Secretary Perdue responding that um, the administration uh, is going to make sure that uh, farmers are not Uh, going to be casualties in a trade dispute as we've heard from this administration during this whole process. So that continues to be a big focus. Coming up next here from Washington, D.C., we're going to talk credit. Stay with us on AOA, Adams on Agriculture.
5: Your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time need a car get started now and drive off as early as today just go to 11 ignoremyscore.com right now that's www.11ignoremyscore.com auto financing the easy way 11ignoremyscore.com get started today auto financing the easy way
9: hello i'm mike lindell the inventor of my pillow A 10 year warranty, and you can wash and dry my pillow. And here's my best offer ever get four My Pillows for the price of one. That's right, get four My Pillows two premium pillows and two travel pillows for the price of one. Order My Pillow at 800 871 7280 and use promo code Farm 11. Get four MyPillows for the price of one. Call 800-871-7280 and use promo
3: code FARM11. Go to MyPillow.com
9: and at checkout use promo code FARM11.
3: Around 3500 B.C. someone used basic tools and slabs of wood to invent the wheel. Genius. In 1879 Thomas Edison invented the light bulb. Genius. In 1899
4: and mathematics invented the paperclip. Genius. There's genius, and then there's pure genius. At BASF, that's what drove us to develop Angenia herbicide, our most advanced dicamba formulation ever for dicamba-tolerant cotton and soybeans. It gives you a low-volatility solution at the lowest dicamba use rate ever offered, providing an additional site of action to outsmart the toughest weeds, even the glyphosate-resistant ones. Grow smart with Angenia herbicide from BASF, a flexible solution that's pure genius. Talk to your representative today. Learn more at ingeniaherbicide.com. B-A-S-F, we create chemistry. Ingenia Herbicide is a U.S. EPA-restricted-use pesticide. Always read and follow label directions.
3: If you or your family love the freedom of swimming any time of year, if you love sharing good times and making great memories, or if you want one of the best total body workouts ever, then it's time to discover the three C's of your very own endless pool. The first C is convenience. Imagine swimming year-round in your own private swimming pool, installed indoors or out, just steps away. The second C is comfort. With sculpted spa seats and your own adjustable temperature, you can easily escape the stress of your day. And the third C is cost. Your endless pool is an affordable luxury at a fraction of the cost of a regular pool. And here's a bonus C, choice, because when you call for your free Endless Pool Idea Kit, you'll receive information on our full line of pools to suit your budget and location.
8: Call now for your free information, 800-717-0734, 800-717-0734.
0: Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams.
1: Welcome back to Adams on Agriculture from Washington, D.C. Todd Van Hoos, president and CEO CEO of the Farm Credit Council, joins us now. Todd, I wanted to get a, a big picture look at the ag economy right now. Where do we stand? We know we're in another year of depressed commodity prices. What is your state of the ag economy message right now?
11: Well, exactly what you said. We look out there and we see a Fourth or even a fifth year of low commodity prices that, that frankly nobody's predicting an end to anytime soon. And so we've, we've seen producers come into this period pretty strong, right? They started off pretty well, but we've seen some deterioration in their equity. We're seeing producers make really good decisions around trimming expenses, trying to make do with what they have, trying to come up with viable farm plans, and so far, we think they've been pretty successful at that but as we look forward we have concerns you know we're we're trying to get our people out in the field talking to farmers about what are you looking at what's your plan on getting through this how can we be supportive of this because we view our job a little differently our job is to lean into this
1: downturn and so far that's what we're doing we hear about that increase in the debt level are you seeing that
11: we are i mean if you if you look at the farm balance sheet right now and on, on in the aggregate you would see the equity you know debt to asset ratios are a little bit higher than they have been in the 10-year average but they're still a little bit below the 30-year average so so we're not ticking up too high just yet but the trend is in the wrong direction and we need to turnaround
1: on that now this is obviously it's gonna be different operation to operation farmer to sure. farmer but uh, as you said it came into this this cycle many of them in in fairly good shape But you can always stay in a down cycle so long and stay in good shape that's right and and you
11: know we we people understand credit can never be a substitute for income right and 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 we're making loans out there but frankly we've seen loan demand go down a little bit as farmers have put off putting a new piece of equipment in there they've put off buying another piece of land and so the land that's changing hands out there we're seeing a lot of cash transactions and so we think farmers are being very cautious right now,
1: and, and that's probably the right place to be. But in that environment, if you are in a position to take advantage of it, there are some good opportunities. Oh, absolutely. You know, you've seen some
11: some uh, some transitions out there occur. Some people look at it and say, you know what? Maybe I'm 65 years old. Am I going to wear down my equity a little bit? No, Maybe let me get out. And then a, a good piece of property comes up. You know, people ask us all the time, what are you seeing in land values out there and I said okay show me the farm you're talking about and I'll tell you because there's no such thing as an average piece of land out there but we are seeing you know high quality farmland out there hold its value maybe not maybe it's not where it was at the peak but it's still holding strong value and it still gets snapped up pretty quickly if it comes
1: on the market as a lender How do you view this farm bill debate that's going on now and the importance of getting a good farm bill?
11: Boy, we're telling Congress our number one message since last summer has been pass a farm bill and pass it on time because the crop insurance program, the other programs in the farm bill, they really are the safety net for farmers out there. And in this kind of a downturn, we've gotta make sure we've got some predictability out there. As you look at a farmer who's thinking, okay, I'm in a new price environment here. I'm gonna have to project that out over two or three, four years. I need to know what programs are gonna be available out there to help me manage my risk. And and that farm bill gives them that certainty. and, And we're urging Congress to pass a strong farm bill now.
1: We've talked a lot the last few years, especially about the importance of a good relationship between uh, the borrower and the lender. What would you suggest to to the farmer out there to make that an even stronger relationship?
11: I, I think just a really open dialogue around what are you planning to do here? What are you seeing out there? and and that goes both ways. The lender needs to come out there and understand the operation. You know, Farm Credit's been in this business for a little over 100 years now, and we feel like we've got a lot of expertise. But if you don't have a good open and constructive dialogue with your lender, then you can find yourself crossways. You know, our job is to be supportive. Our job is our mission is to be supportive of agriculture out there, and the way we best way we can do that is to be open and honest and help farmers
1: come to the best solution for them. I know this also depends farmer to farmer operation to operation, but overall what do you is about credit availability? Mm-hmm. Or do you see that the, it's there? It's just, but maybe you're going to look a little closer before making that loan, or how, how would you describe the, the environment there?
7: You know,
11: I, I think it is credit is available out there. Um, as I think I mentioned a minute ago, demand for credit's a little lower right now. We're not seeing farmers line up at the door to extend themselves more. People are being very conservative about how they use their balance sheet right now, and that's smart. But we think that as as farmers move forward you know, planning for the long haul, understanding the new price environment, and that it's not going to change, being very realistic about that, that's going to be the key to
2: getting through it. Thanks, Tom. Okay. You bet. That's Todd Van Hoos, President and CEO of the Farm Credit Council. So we're going to wrap things up here in Washington, D.C., coming up tomorrow. Um, we're going to have some comments from EPA Administrator Scott Pruitt on the RFS situation and the granting of waivers. That's a, still a big topic of discussion here. Uh, Secretary Purdue has talked about it. Uh, he mentioned to us here today that he thinks that uh, uh, the waivers that have been granted uh, really stretch his definition of hardship, and that's what those are supposed to be for, Um uh, Administrator Pruitt is going to be testifying before Congress uh, this week on that very issue. So. Really interested to hear what uh, Administrator Pruitt has to say in defense of his decisions to grant those waivers. Then also tomorrow we're going to hear from Bob Denim, President and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association, as uh, he continues uh, to raise this issue about the the damage that is being done to the RFS, the eroding of the markets uh, due to the, uh, the granting of these waivers by the EPA administrators, mostly for small refiners with hardship issues. And uh, as uh, I think Secretary put it pretty well, the those who have received these waivers so far, it's a stretch of the the definition of hardship. for, those, for most of us to see how they would get those waivers. So this will be a hot topic. We'll get more on this tomorrow, both from Administrator Pruitt and from Bob Dineen with the Renewable Fuels Association. Also coming up on tomorrow's program, uh, we'll check in uh, again with a farmer, uh, this time northeast Kansas, to get a planting update. We know those planters are rolling in more and more areas, a lot getting done. That northeast Kansas area getting a lot done. And we'll get an update from Ken McCauley uh, on a planting update coming up tomorrow. That's going to wrap it up for here from our nation's capital, broadcasting today from USDA. Thank you for joining us. I'm Mike Adams. This is AOA Adams on Agriculture. Have a great day, everyone.